Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What's up, you Tennessee Homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, I apologize already. I probably should have called you the Alabama Homer on this one, Shane, because we oh. buried... Papa and the Crimson Tide on the last episode. No more smack talk. We're talking the greatest coach of all time, the greatest dynasty of all time, and it's time for Alabama to rebound and get back to the college football playoff. How you doing, buddy? Mike, let me just get one more. I'm not. I'm not quite ready. I'm not. Mm. All right, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. Roll Tide, baby. Roll Tide. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we were joking. Uh, obviously, we'll get to it, but uh, not a lot of losses, toss-ups, anything. I mean, Alabama fans expect greatness, and as long as Nick Saban's on the sideline down there, Shane, they should. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this this may not be as long. We're, we're stretching out as much as we can, but uh, not a lot of, uh, t- you know, questions yeah with this with this dynasty you know what and and i think i think you know sometimes that gets overlooked man because they've been there so long you know every you know i'm doing these highlight reels these big orange walks and it seems like you know if i could put one out there where old miss upset alabama or i put one out there tennessee upset alabama you know they go viral because people just don't get to see too many Alabama losses. In right. fact, it makes it to highlight reels. It, it's something that you send out on flyers when you're trying to get your kid to come to the campus. You know what I'm saying? So this one, Alabama has always been the at least the last ten fifteen years. Mike has always been the top dog, the one you want to knock off, and yep. the one that you constantly compare programs to. Mike, I mean, we're looking at the Georgia Bulldogs coming off. A, a second national championship and we're we're constantly comparing it to some of the great teams that Nick Saban has coached which I think they got a pretty special team this year Mike oh yeah no doubt and, and I apologize I shouldn't know the user's name but I, I did troll him a little this weekend but he said it best Shane it's on my timeline if you beat Alabama fans remember it for decades if Alabama beats you, it's just a Saturday because that's what it's been <laughs> under Nick Saban, and it's it's true, and it's yeah. going to be true again. It's true, man. This fall, so uh, let's do a quick recap. Last season, Shane, eleven and two. It's just wild that eleven and two, doom and gloom, awful season when ninety nine point nine percent of college programs would take that in a heartbeat. But a couple last second losses on the road at Tennessee and LSU. That's what held you back from the SEC championship and the college football playoff, but huge bowl win. And I think it says something to the program, Shane, and just the the respect for Nick Saban and everything he's built when you're going into what many call these meaningless bowl games. They're not, they're, they're not meaningless. I, I really don't th- – I hate when people talk like that. Yeah. And it wasn't meaningless, Shane, to Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and the group down there in Tuscaloosa because they all suited up to whoop – the hell out of Kansas State. I love to see that. And maybe that a little bit more momentum going into the offseason for the, the younger players on the team to get locked in for another uh, revenge season there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and, you know, looking at last season, you lost two games by, what, three points combined or something crazy like that and, and couldn't get in to a college football. Yes. Was it was it a beautiful season? No. But it kind of is a mockery to what we've said, uh, what we grew up, you know, it's like, and the, and the thing that drives me nuts, it's like, you know, yes, they didn't win all their games by 30 points like usual, but they still won a lot of games, Mike. They won 10 football games. And when you and I are both sitting out there at the college football playoffs, myself included, even though I got 10, 10 win Tennessee wanting to get into the college football playoffs, Everybody knew who should have been in there. And I know it, it, Nick Saban got made fun of, and, you know, he, he was kind of made of a mockery just trying to, you know, say exactly what I'm telling you right now. But you know damn well they would have kicked the shit out of TCU. You know mm-hmm. that Ohio State and Alabama could have been a hell of a game that 
could have went Alabama's way. Not saying that it would have, but wouldn't you have loved to have seen Georgia and Alabama in a national championship? You know what I'm saying? Like, even though you could throw out the scores and, and all the, the close wins and close losses, when it came to those two, it would have been a lot better to watch on TV. So, yeah, I, I think last year was a disappointment, but it was also a disappointment that, that these 10 loss or 10 win teams from the SEC didn't get the respect they deserve. Right, and, and moving aside from the talking point, Shane, I think the best way, and they'll never do it like this, but the best way to, to get exactly what you're hitting at, ask Kirby Smart, who had the number one team, number one seed, who is the team you least want to face? And a thousand out of a thousand, Shane, he would have said, I do not want to face Nick Saban and Alabama. So maybe that's the ba- the, the greatest metric of them all, of exactly what you're talking about. But uh, let, let's stick with Nick Saban, the coaching staff here, Shane, of course, the greatest college coach of all time. I don't even think that's debatable anymore after uh, 16 seasons at Alabama, and they've just been a dynasty virtually from the second season on. But let me ask you this, Shane, because he is so driven to be excellent and – you know, the standard is championship or bust down there. And, you know, we all around the SEC were waiting for kind of the demise of Nick Saban so that the rest of us can contemplate what it's like to win a championship. Of course, now now Kirby's uh, taking that from the rest of the SEC. But I guess what I'm really trying to say, Shane, however many years Nick Saban has, and could be five years, could be ten years, I don't know. But in the back of his mind, Shane, he has got to – see that uh, the end is approaching and he was already maniacal about winning these championships I have to believe if he's in his head saying well I got five six seven more years he is taking every single day every single second maximizing those years because he wants to go out winning five titles six titles seven titles and just destroying every single record and I have to imagine Shane that uh, Georgia building up and becoming a a juggernaut of their own is just going to drive Nick Saban even harder to reclaim his status as the greatest coach and the greatest program in college football absolutely man I, I think you said it perfect brother this this is a personal game to Nick Saban and and you know you think about it Mike five what was it five six years ago when we started the show I think our first show topic was Nick Saban's retiring this year you know <laughs> That was a couple of natties ago. So, you know, it's just it's it's so funny because you you keep saying, yeah, the end is coming, but the guy looks great. I I mean, he he I mean, he is dialed in, brother. And I know there's a little slippage and Mike's been on Paul Feinbaum telling everybody about it, but still he manages to stay on top of his game by surrounding himself with other coaches to assist him. And I think that's kind of what failed him last year, but I think he's bounced back this season. Shane, he's twice our age. He's 10 times in shape compared to us. You know what I Dude, mean? Dude, I was watching a video. He was out there doing the stretches with the guys, and I was like, damn, I can't even do those stretches, you know? I'm 40 years old, and he's down there wallering with the boys, you know? I'm like, damn, I'd never get off the ground. <laughs> well, we did have some massive uh, overhaul, Shane, of the coaching staff, of course, both coordinators – turned over Bill O'Brien back to the NFL, Pete Golding off to Ole Miss. So we brought in Tommy Reese to be offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach in, in Alabama. Yeah. He was uh, the offensive coordinator the last three years at Notre Dame, and he was at Notre Dame for six seasons coaching up the quarterbacks. So, you know, great hire to coach up quarterbacks. That is – we'll get to the biggest question marks, but that's front and center for this team if they want to win another national championship – Here's a couple stats for you, Shane. Last three Notre Dame seasons, points per game averaged by the offense under Tommy Reese uh, in 2020, his first year, 33.4 points per game. 2021, 35.2 points per game. And then last season, 31.8. So consistent, not elite, but I think you could certainly sit here and say, well, Notre Dame, I mean, we we mock them to no end. They do not have the players. We see it every time they play SEC. They get destroyed because yeah. they don't have the players that they've got at Alabama, 
Now he's going to have better weapons. And, and hell, he's, his hand-picked quarterback, Shade, as soon as he got down to Alabama, he said, hey, picked up the phone. Why don't you come on down here and <laughs> play with some real athletes, see what you can do. Um, also, under Tommy Reese, Shane, they had a quarterback at Notre Dame, Ian Book. He left Notre Dame the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, number two in completions, passing yards, passing touchdowns, and completion percentage. So this guy clearly knows how to coach up quarterbacks, and that's going to be paramount for Alabama this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's what you brought him there for. This is the room that's gotten a lot of question marks as it is, and and uh, I, I'm excited, man. I, I just – nothing against Bill O'Brien or anything like that, but I've just – I don't know, man. It just – that guy always seems like he was at the right place at the right time, you know? Penn State job, you know, got him down to got him down to the NFL, and I never, I never liked Houston, man. Nothing against Houston, but it's just they never could get it going. They're always good, but not great, you know. And then you bring them to Alabama, so there's my Bill O'Brien take right there. Obviously, he's never coming on the show, but I'll say this, brother this this Reese hire, I think it's a great hire because you want somebody that is quarterback minded. You got a room full of them. You just got to identify one of them and make him a better player. Uh, you don't. Need a, you don't need a game changer. Seriously, there's a ton of talent on this roster. You just need kind of a – like a – what do you call it? A game manager, if you will. Mm-hmm. So identify yep. that, and, and I think that's what, we're, what we brought Tommy in for. Right. And on the defensive side of the ball, Shane, bringing back Kevin Steele, one of the most uh, experienced assistants in all of college football. He's This is his third time as Nick Saban's defensive coordinator at Alabama. So, clearly that fit goes back a long ways. They know what they're getting in one another. He was defensive coordinator at Miami last year, 13 seasons as an SEC assistant coach. Shane, he was at Auburn uh, under Gus Malzahn. And and honestly, Shane, he kept Gus Malzahn employed for the last couple of years because those defenses were great, (laughs) offenses were not. He had four top 20 scoring defenses in the country at Auburn. Kevin Steele, uh, he, he's up there in age as well. But, I mean, one of the best handful of uh, defensive coordinators in the SEC, in my opinion. Dude, I think it's a great hire, man. I, I, I People were trying to steal him for years down there at Auburn. And the reason is, is like you said, the output those defensive ha- have had, yeah. you know, that's why he was such a sexy hire. So, yeah, I, I just kind of surprised that he went to Alabama, you know, all those years hating on him. But, but you know, <laughs> Papa calls, you know, you go home, I guess. <laughs> go go to rehab, you know what I'm saying? Launch, And that's, that's the beauty of, of what Nick Saban has done down there. It's like – for the most part, the guys that he brings in makes that program better. They find better opportunities outside. And then every now and then we get a bad crop, and Nick does not waste time. If it's bad, it's out. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I like about, about him so much It's just how quick he's ready to pull the trigger and move on to the next best thing. Right. Well, they're going to have to do that, Shane, based on their returning production. So let's start with the offense like we always do, 43% of the production is back for Alabama. That's dead last in the SEC. Uh, We'll get to the defense in a second, but they're dead last in returning defensive production too. So, I mean, normally those, that's huge red flag, Shane. And that could be a reason why you can understand why some people are down on Alabama, but Alabama has proven annually that this statistic does not have anything to do with their success because all the talent on the roster, their their success in the transfer portal, and more specifically, recruiting. They just reload, reload, reload. They are the masters of doing it. Uh, but passing yards returning, 9%, Shade. This is the <laughs> lowest we've seen. Jalen Milrow, 297 passing yards last season. Rushing, 53% is back. Jace McClellan had uh, 655 rushing yards last season. Receiving yards, here's where they shine. 64% of the receiving yards are back. Jermaine Burton, 677. He led the Crimson Tide in receiving yards last year. But only two players, Shane, on the offensive line back that started last year. Uh, so uh, Tommy Reese got his hands full with, um, yeah. uh, you know, kind of mixing these pieces together in a new system. So that th- this is why 
we'll get to the schedule here in a minute, but this this is why that Texas game week two, thankfully it's at home, but that's why it looms so big in my mind because it's not like I think Texas is going to go up and down the field on Alabama's defense. I, I certainly don't, but yeah. I think they're going to get 20, 25 points maybe. So our, our offense has got to be able to score uh, to beat Texas early in the season. Yeah, man, and – I watch. I mean, if you watch the spring game, there was a lot of sloppy play on that side of the ball. I mean, you love the way these athletes look. You know, I've. I, I think the running back room looks fantastic. I think these receivers look good. I mm-hmm. think that offensive line, dude, is is may, maybe one of the biggest damn lines to come through there. You know, but they've not put it all together. They didn't put it together in the spring. You know, they're really going to have to come together real quick because it does ramp up week two when you got Texas and a team that almost embarrassed you last year. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm with you here, man. I, I think this is a, but you got to remember, let's, let's, Let's don't get too crazy here. This Alabama team put a shit ton of points on the board last year. They just yep. had trouble keeping points off the board from the other side. Right. So let's go to the defense, Shane. Again, 38% returning production. That's dead last in the SEC. Six of the top seven tacklers from last season are now in the NFL. Uh, only 27.6% of the sacks are back from last season. And 28.7% of the interceptions we don't have a player on this team, Shane, that had two interceptions. At least that's back. We we certainly had that last year, but those guys are off to the NFL. Now, a lot of that's because people don't want to throw it cool, lady. Can't intercept it if they, <laughs> they won't throw his way. So, again, these, these are somewhat alarming defensive statistics, but when you look at the roster, when you look at the talent, um, I am not concerned that Alabama – I mean, their defense, I think, is, is going to be – short of maybe Georgia. I mean, it's, it's probably be the best in the SEC. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people sleeping on this unit, man. Uh, this is – I know you look at those numbers and you're just like, wait, it doesn't make sense. we got all these new guys. Why are, you, why are you so high on them? But, dude, I'm telling you right now, what they did bring back were key pieces. And, and they're going to be able to build around those key pieces. And that's why I'm excited about the defense. When I watched the spring game, I didn't freak out about the offense. I just got excited about this defense. Right. So let's go to the guys they lost in the transfer portal, Shane. That surprising amount. I didn't realize uh, I, I kind of lost track of how many guys they actually left. And and unlike others, you know, maybe it's because they are on Alabama's roster, but most of these guys, Shane, went to Power 5 programs. And again, does it? are we losing a ton with all these guys? No. But Maybe sometimes you get that A on you, Shane, and uh, you know another school is just dying to get you on their roster. But let's go down some of their guys they lost in the transfer portal before we get to mm-hmm. the guys they added. Trey Sanders, one of Shane's favorites over yeah. the breakout candidate for about six seasons. He's at TCU now, the running back. Aaron Anderson, receiver. He was one of the top five receiver in the country. He has shifted to LSU. Uh, JoJo Earl is another touted recruit. Some fumbling issues. He is also at TCU. Tyler Harrell, the receiver, jumped to Miami. Treshawn Holden, another receiver, to Oregon. Uh, Now, Shane, five offensive linemen. This is – I got a little concern here. Again, they got talent. They got loads of talent at offensive line, but losing five offensive linemen ain't easy. Javon Cohen left for Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tommy Brockmeyer, former five-star, he also went to – TCU's just taking anybody they can from Alabama, apparently. (laughs) Amari Knight left for Central Florida. Tanner Bowles, he's now at Kentucky. He's going to likely factor in as a potential starter up there. And then Damian George went to Florida. He is another one they project to be a starter for the Gators. And then at uh, linebacker, they lost uh, uh, Demo Kennedy to to Colorado – NIL would. Uh, <laughs> Travion Fagans, the defensive back to Southern Cal. Uh, Jarquez Robinson, another one to join Dion at Colorado. And Kyrie Jackson, Alabama to Oregon. And I left even a couple others off, Shane. So you can kind of see, I mean, virtually all their guys that left are now playing at the Power 5 level. So that is a little bit of a red flag in my opinion little bit but like you said it's i mean that's what they do down there they recruit four and five star talent and sometimes if you don't make that spot and i'm not saying that's what it is trey sanders prime example love the kid kept waiting for him to hit but you got a absolutely loaded 
running back room. Mm-hmm. So he's not getting his opportunity. I get that. I get going to another program. So, again, yeah. I'm not saying that was all all these guys' situations, but a lot of it was you just weren't getting enough playing time. And so that they went to a power five, I'm not freaking out. I'm just saying man, that's what they got. They got a loaded roster full of people that could go to TCU and play tomorrow. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Shane. So let's get to the guys they're bringing into the program, some potential impact players here, Shane. And, I don't think Tyler Buckner is going to be your starting quarterback, but we got to lead with him because he may very well from Notre Dame. 56% completion percentage at Notre Dame, 949 yards passing, six touchdowns, eight interceptions. But one thing I will say about him, Shane, very underrated as a runner. I was surprised when I went back and watched what he did at Notre Dame. 459 rushing yards, seven touchdowns on the ground. So much more of a dual threat than, than I think most people realize. Tied in from Maryland, C.J. Dippery, 33 catches, 339 yards, and three touchdowns in two seasons, playing for Mike Loxley up there at Maryland. Uh, Former linebacker from Georgia, Shade, so he'll he'll slide right in. He knows the playbook (laughs) here. Tresman Marshall, he had 30 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, a sack, and an interception in his four seasons at Georgia. How wild is it, Shade? We'll get to the dogs in another episode, but – you can't get on the field at Georgia. Just go down to Alabama. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm. You know, that's even something that can be said. And then two defensive backs, Shane, from, a, from lower levels, but they dominated the lower levels. Trey Amos from Louisiana, fifty-nine tackles, a pick, and thirteen passes defended last season. And then Jalen Key from UAB, just down the road, sixty tackles, three picks last season. So. That's the list. That's the entire list of everybody Alabama brought in via transfer. But Alabama does not have to bring in a lot of transfers. And the guys they do bring in anticipate will play a role immediately. Yeah, that's that's the key there, Mike. They went out and got exactly what they needed. It mm-hmm. wasn't a it wasn't a wide net just to get some athletes on the field. They've got plenty on that <laughs> roster. They went out to fix the problems and the holes in this program. Yeah, and they signed the number one recruiting class in the country. Many are saying the top recruiting class ever, Shane. And normally what we do is we we highlight the one or two five-star that you got (laughs) and then some four-stars. This is just five-stars I'm going down the list here, Shane. Number one edge player in the country, Keon Keeley, number two overall prospect. Number one safety, Caleb Downs, likely going to start immediately. Number one offensive tackle, Caden Proctor likely to start this fall. Number two running back, Justice Haynes, may not start, but could be the best freshman in the country. Number two corner, Desmond Ricks. Number two defensive lineman, James Smith. Number four edge defender, Yonze Perry. Number five edge defender, Quay Rusal. Number six receiver, uh, Jalen Hale. Those are all five-star, nine five-stars, Shane, they signed. And then just to boot, I know you love JUCOs here, Shane. They said, why not just get the top two JUCOs, too? (laughs) Number one overall and number one receiver, Malik Benson. Look for him to make an impact. He's already getting compared to Henry Ruggs. Number two overall, the top linebacker, Justin Jefferson. Absolutely loaded. And they they signed about 25 four-stars, too, Shane. But we, we just ain't got time to go through all of them. You know what? Isn't that something? We start this show talking about how old Nick Saban is, you know? And you know every single coach that comes in those kids' locker or in their uh, living room is telling them the exact same thing. Like, Nick will not be here in three to four years. You know that, right? But Nick still pulls them, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you go out, you get the number one recruiting coach. It doesn't matter what what you say. They've built a machine down there in Tuscaloosa, and, and the recruiting class is just a, a – you would think there would be a changing of the guard, you know, the LSU right. would pop up, or Georgia would just keep the one spot, or Texas A&M. <laughs> now nah, nah, Alabama's going to do it, and they're going to keep doing it. Did you see the quote going around uh, this weekend, Shane? I didn't read the article. I just read the headline like we all do these days. But uh, did you see that Alabama five-star receiver? He was asked about Nick Saban. Did you see what he said? Uh-uh. Uh, he's, he said, according to Nick Saban, this is what Saban's telling these recruits. Because, you know, they all ask him, how long are you going to keep coaching, coach? He said, I'm going to be here till I croak. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
spoken like a real, I mean, who says croak? You know what I mean? That's but, it, man. That's right, man. But, and he's not going to because he's in these kids' living room playing video games with him. You'd never see Kirby do something like that. Yeah, Kirby's too cool for that. Not, not, not saving, man. <laughs> Fire right, up so, at we. <laughs> all right, so let's break down uh, the position groups, ranking them, starting with the offense, of course. And I got to go running back. You already alluded to it here. Such a deep room here. Yep. Uh, Jace McClellan back, one of the most underrated prospects in the SEC. Roy Dale Williams, Jam Miller back for a second season. He got some play last year. And then the fresh freshman, Justice Haynes, who was the star of the spring game. Yep. We go four deep of <laughs> standouts here at Alabama. Deep, 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 fast. They all got their own little flair. You know what I'm saying? They've got so many, so many freak athletes in that room. That room is absolutely loaded. And you got to imagine, Shane, this is what you need for a, a reworked offensive line, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Let's lean on this ground game until the quarterbacks and receivers get on the same page, until the offensive line. You said it yourself. Uh, I mean, the offensive line, I mean, that where they make their hay is running the ball. Let these guys gel together. Don't don't make them, you know, go to pass pro 50 times. As, as much yeah. as some lazy lineman may want to get that done. <laughs> At Alabama, we, we, we're some road graders. You know what? Yeah, get back to your roots, man. I mean, when you think about some of the all-time great Alabama teams, it was with the running backs and that offensive line. The other stuff was just fun. You know, a Julio Jones would come through every now and then. A Ruggs, mm -hmm. like you said. But it, when it all boiled down to it, it's like, let's turn around, hand the ball to a dude, one of four dudes, and get 10, 15 yards each time. You know, that's, that's what we missed about Alabama the last few seasons. Right. Running the ball when your opponent knows you're going to run it and they simply <laughs> yeah. cannot stop it. That is the mark of an elite college football team, and that's what they need to be here in Alabama this fall. Uh, next, Shane, I got the receivers. Pretty loaded receiver room here. Ja'Cory Brooks is back. Jermaine mm -hmm. Burton was the leading receiver last year. Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond, I love him. Kendrick Law, Emmanuel Henderson, fast as hell. Shaz Preston, and then that junior college number one overall prospect, Malik Benson, we go eight, nine deep at receiver. I don't even know how we're going to get all these guys the ball. <laughs> Probably not. But, hey, the fact that you got options out there I think is pivotal. And this is good for rotation. As they're in a quarterback you know, challenge or battle right now, you know, you've always got starting receivers that you're throwing to, even if you're playing with the second team, you know. Right. Now, next on my list, Shane, this may surprise you. I got quarterbacks. Now, I know we, we got no idea who the starter is going to be. Could be Milrow, Jalen Milrow. Could be Ty Simpson, who we've not really seen in, in any meaningful action. Could be Tyler Buckner. But we also got two promising freshmen, Shane, Eli Holstein, Dylan Logarin, who the, both of them apparently made plays in the spring here. So five deep may not remain at five, but yeah. again, as we've been doing these, these fall previews here, uh, it, there's not many <laughs> SEC programs that are currently five deep at quarterback so who knows and one of these guys may emerge maybe a star by the end of the season but if nothing else we're deep and we're talented and poor tight ends ain't got a shot with mike you know <laughs> he hates him hates him tight ends I, I will say this on the quarterbacks mike you know the one thing is there's still opportunities for for people to grow there the starting quarter quarterback for Alabama not may not be the finishing quarterback for Alabama right. but you know looking at the schedule which we're going to get to here in a minute there's going to be opportunities for some of these guys to get active counts you know because practice is one thing you can be good in practice and you'll get your shot but sometimes you got to wait till the lights come on to find out who truly can run this team yep all right now next on my list Shane the offensive line and again it's it's mainly due because we're only have two starters back, and that's yeah. uh, center Seth McLaughlin, right tackle J.C. Latham, who he's probably the best right tackle in all SEC, maybe college football. But we got some outstanding players behind him, Shane. Tyler Booker, who emerged late last season, he's the next future star on that offensive line. He could be All-American by the end of the season. Uh, Darren Dalcourt's back. He's played a little bit. Others that could step up, James Brockmeyer former five-star, Terrence Ferguson, and then that number one 
tackle in the entire country, freshman Caden Proctor. He's probably going to be there next. Alabama went on a run there, Shane, for a long time. They get a number one tackle, put him at left tackle. He's there for three years. He's a top ten pick. Do it again. Uh, he's going to be the next in a, a long list of guys that have done it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm not worried about this group at all, Mike. I'm telling you, as soon as they figure it out, everybody else needs to worry about them. Yeah. So, of course, tight ends last on my list, Shane. (laughs) But this really is a big question mark for Alabama. It's why they had to go to Maryland to get the the transfer C.J. Zippery. And we got Robbie uh, Robbie Oates and Amari Nyblack, two players that have played but not extensively. Our our former tight end, Cam Latou, he's now in the NFL. So, a little bit of a mystery. I'm kind of interested to see how the tight ends will factor into this offense because – um, I don't know how much Notre Dame you watch, Shade. I, honestly, I didn't watch a ton. But uh, when I went back and watched that Buckner kid at Notre Dame, they featured the tight end. About every oh, other wow. pass went to their outstanding tight end. So yeah. I'm going to be interested to see how Tommy Reese runs things at Alabama now that he, he may not have that All-American tight end that he had at Notre Dame. Do you think – I mean, because sometimes you say that, Mike, but sometimes that All-American tight end is on that roster. He just wasn't used. You right. know, do you do you think that's what we see, you know, a couple of, let's say four or five weeks in, we're like, damn, this kid come out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is that is always uh, something, a possibility at Alabama because, yeah. you know, there's always I always think a, about Jimbo when he, went, when he showed up Texas A&M, you know, they didn't have tight ends. Then all of a sudden they got the best tight end in the country. So <laughs> it's like, oh, he was there the whole time. He just wasn't used properly. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great point. And uh, if that happens, I think that'll be on Bill O'Brien more than anything. I'll remind you when it happens. All right, the defensive side of the ball, Shane. I think we are loaded on that defensive line. Jaheim Oates, all-SEC type player. Tim Smith, he's outstanding. Justin Egg. Uh, Egg Obagbe, I, I butchered that, but he missed last season. He was outstanding prior. Jamil Burroughs, Damon Payne, Ja Marin, Latham, very talented, very deep. And don't forget, Shane, four, five stars we've added <laughs> to this rotation. Keelan, Keon Keeley, James Smith, Yonze Pere, and Quay Rosal. So very, very, very talented group, short of A&M maybe the most talented defensive line group in the uh, SEC. They've been putting weight on since they hit campus, man. (laughs) (laughs) Next, I got the defensive back, Shane. A very strong unit for the Crimson Tide. Kool-Aid McKinstry, Tarion Arnold, Malachi Moore, Earl Little, Christian Story, all standouts, all back. And then the freshman, Caleb Downs, who sounds like he's going to start day one. Tony Mitchell. If he can stop getting arrested. But he's an elite player of his own. And Desmond Ricks. I mean, these guys are good. But uh, we're bringing back so much experience. I don't know how much the outside of Caleb Downs, how much the true freshman will play. But it's nice to have options. Yeah, options, man. Depth. That's that's why I love this room so much is because there won't be that drop-off like some other programs have to do, you know, late in the season. This 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 room is loaded as well. Right. And then linebackers, again, this is not to short them at all because they may, the best player on the team may be a linebacker. And uh, we're deep, we're talented, but we're just so loaded everywhere else. Dallas Turner, outstanding pass rusher. Chris Braswell, Dante Lawson, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Alexander, and Quandarius Robinson all back. The Georgia transfer, Tresman Marshall, throw him into the mix. And mm-hmm. then the number one junior college linebacker, Justin Jefferson, absolutely loaded defensive uh, <laughs> linebackers here for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, that in your mind, what is that gap between secondary and linebackers? Is it? Clo- are we just all pretty close here on on that side of the ball? Well, you-, you know, honestly, Shane, you know why I gave the edge to the defensive backs because they felt the need to get a guy from a transfer from Georgia and a transfer from the junior college ranks. So, yeah, again. That's not to slight the guys they got. Maybe they looked around and just said, you know what, our third team, we're missing a third team linebackers. But when you're having to bring guys in, that 
I mean, to me, that's an indication that uh, we're we're feeling a slightly thin there. We and we didn't do yeah. that at defensive back. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good point. All right. The specialist Shane again. They're loaded here too. Will Riker back again for another season. He's the all-time Alabama record holder. Shane four hundred twenty-six points, and and of course he'll rack up a ton this year. Sixty-two of seventy-five for his career kicking field goals at Alabama. He was twenty-two of twenty-six last season. And then punter James Burnip. One guess, Shane. Where's he from? Australia. Australia <laughs> there. Getting off Austas. 42 <laughs> yards per punt last season. So bringing back an experienced special teams unit. Remember a couple of years ago, Shane, special teams was a disaster at Alabama. They have corrected yeah. that the last three or four seasons. Now it's one of the str- uh, strongest points on the team. Would you want to punt for Alabama? Like, if I had scholarship offers and they're like, you could come up here and punt for Alabama or you could punt for Idaho. I'm like, <laughs> I, I think I'd punt. go to Alabama. <laughs> you know, do I want to punt once every two games or do I want to I want to get, get some work in? No, I get what you're saying, but I'm sure it's an interesting topic, you know. <laughs> do I want to learn about Moscow, Idaho, or do I want to – Travel the country, go to all yeah, these maybe, bowl games. Yeah, maybe Idaho was at the, the best draft. example. How about like FAU or something like that? Somewhere a little tropical, you know? Okay. It's like, maybe, okay, well, we can go to the beach. Me. I get a lot of playing time because we suck, you know? <laughs> something like that. But now I'm going to Alabama, and, and they don't even know my name here, you know? There's all right, a song. Huh? I said, that's a song, by the way. <laughs> All right, how about, uh, Shane, the top 10 players as rated by the NCAA video game if it was out this season. You know, that's the sad thing as I'm sitting here doing this, Shane, is uh, we miss this game so much. But a lot of these guys on on all these teams, they're not going to be around next season. They're going to – you know, this coming season, obviously. But the following year, they're going to be in the NFL. They're not going to be on the NCAA video game. So – Another generation robbed of not being all that game. I know. Did you see what them lawyers were doing? Yeah. They're 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 coming after these the uh, the NCAA. Just so you, if you've not paid attention, all, all they're uh, really going to do, Shane, is that uh, worst case scenario. They're just they're robbing all the players again because they're if they keep pushing, they're just going to put the game out with not a single name on it, and no one's going to notice. I know, and that sucks because there's a lot of kids that want their name on it. You know, there's right. a lot of kids that are excited that – I mean, I've seen a tweet out there, and there should be some sort of list where you can either be on it or off of it, you know, and, yep. and this is how much you get if you're on it. This is how much you get if you're off of it or whatever. So it, it's just kind of crazy to me that it's just always something, something, something. Let's just let them play, man. They're doing yep. name, image, likeness. They're giving them some money, so they don't want to – don't get on it. Sorry. People got to put their hand out on, on something, you know, and Damn I'm talking about the lawyers chasers. only. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. All right, so top 10 players for the Crimson Tide, Shane. Kool-Aid McKinstry, 99. Shane's always oh, waiting oh, for them oh, 99s. There he is. He's one of the few I have on, a, on the football game, but a lockdown corner, you just don't see that much in college. Kool-Aid's a 99 in my book. Dallas Turner, the linebacker, Shane, 97, mm-hmm. elite yeah. player. J.C. Latham, the right tackle, also giving him a 97. Strong on the trenches there. 95 defensive back Malachi Moore. He's been a standout since his freshman year. Jaheim Otis on the defensive line. I've given him a 94. Chris Braswell, the linebacker, 93. Jace McClellan, the running back, 91. Tyler Booker, that offensive lineman. I was telling you about I think he'll be an All-American by the end of the season. Give him a 90. That's pretty solid for a sophomore, true sophomore. 89, Shane. How about this? Caleb Downs, the safety, true freshman. You're not going to see many 89 freshmen. Nope. And you're not going to see many 88s either. But you see it here with (laughs) Justice Hayes, the running back, Shane. So – Pretty impressive to have two fresh. Maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping. You know, I'm getting excited about these freshmen, but yeah. uh, I'm I'm putting them in the top ten because I think they have all American potential. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, just like those four stars you didn't mention earlier, there's there's some other dudes on this roster you didn't mention that could easily move up on this list. That's that's just how crazy it is in Alabama. Like you just haven't given them an opportunity yet. Then we look back and we're like, well, hell, why didn't I put him on the list? You know? <laughs> oh, you missed that first round pick. Okay, <laughs> you know? Yep. So what what's the biggest camp questions you have for Alabama, Shane? And 
for me, uh, it, it's all about the quarterbacks. I mean, I think that's going to be the biggest storyline maybe in, in all of college football during camp season is who Alabama will start because, just because it's such a mystery and it could be any of three guys. And, and heck, if the true freshmen come on, you know, no one was talking about Jalen Hurts the year he started as a true freshman either. So uh, who knows? It could go any five ways, really. Uh, how that plays out, that's the biggest thing I have. And, and I, I really think Tommy Reese, his offensive system, uh, all the new pieces, putting all those pieces together, those are kind yeah. of the two biggest questions I have for the Crimson Tide this fall camp. Yeah, good one, Mike. Uh, I mean, obviously, quarterbacks is the easy answer there. That's what we're all interested in. Um, you know, what does that system look like, Reese? But more importantly, man, I think I'm going on the opposite side. I, w- I want to see what Coach Steele does immediately with these dudes because I it felt at times last year that they were misused. It felt like at times they were outplayed or outcoached. And, and I, I think when Coach Steele comes in, this is one of the best rooms he's ever worked with. And how, how quickly do they grasp to his system? So I, I just want to – I saw more of an aggressive defense during the spring. I want to see that continue into fall. Uh, if we could do that, I, I think that's the biggest one for me. It's just what does this defense look like? Mm. All right, Shane. Schedule analysis, win, loss, or toss. And again – this will be fairly easy here. Again, we do these as Alabama homers here, Shade. So yep. let's break down the schedule. Lots of games I think Alabama fans have as a it should be a win, and hell, maybe all of them. But you can uh, disagree or agree with my list here. MTSU right out the gate, easy. That should be a win, right? Oh yeah, definitely a win. Now Texas, some people are hell. Chris Marler, friend of the show, Alabama homer. He's got Texas winning that game. I think he's – that's clickbait right there. That should be yeah. a win. Get out of here with that. You know what? <laughs> he's been at SDS too long. He's, <laughs> he's, he's basically giving you an article right there, Mike. No, this is a win. If you talk to any real Alabama homer, which Chris is, I know he gives you a hard time, but he, there's no way in his in his heart he thinks that this is going to be a ball game. Give me Alabama here. At South Florida, win. Yeah, win. Old Miss at home. I know they've been tricky. Win. win at Mississippi State, you're beating them like 20 years in a row. Win, yep. Arkansas, another one you've kind of owned. I know they're they're feisty now, but you're uh, you're getting them at home. Win. Mm-hmm. What the hell, Mike? Cover your what? ears, Shade. Tennessee what? at home, you've owned them. I know we just we kind of flip flopped on the last one as Tennessee homers, but I think all Alabama fans expect a win. The third Saturday in October. Agreed How can you have this as a toss for Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, as as a fan, I get it, Mike. I get it. Even last year, Alabama fans are sick to their stomachs because there's no reason they should have lost to the Tennessee Volunteers, and they're saying the same damn thing this year. So, yes, win. At Kentucky, again, we respect Kentucky more than anybody. Win. win. <laughs> Yes. Chattanooga, come on, get that should even be on get the schedule. Win. There's a I, there's a video floating around. <laughs> Nick Saban telling us how good UTC's coach is and the staff. It, Fifteen minutes he talks about this damn team. I doubt that coach is even down there anymore. <laughs> At Auburn, tricky. I get it's on the plains, but yeah, give me a break. That's a game Alabama fans expect a win yep. annually. Agree? I I agree. All right, so the game's unlikely to lose, or excuse me, unlikely to win. Zero. I got this is the first time I believe, Shane. I don't have any as a likely loss for Alabama, which means there's only two other games. And you may disagree. Feel free to disagree. Two toss ups at A and M, and that's that's giving A and M the benefit of the doubt. I'm I'm sitting here yeah. saying they'll be top five, top ten. They'll they'll have figured things out. If not, I mean, hell, that's an that's an easy win. Yep. But that's been a tight one, so I'm I'm giving that a toss-up. It's on the road, Alabama on the road. Everybody on the road struggles. but uh, And then LSU at home, would you put either one of those into the should-be-a-win category? Uh, well, I think you could make the argument with A&M, um, mm-hmm. just because as a, as a Bama fan, you're disappointed that that game was even close last year. I, I really I, – I, I think – 
I, I think toss is okay here. I, I get it. I get why you did it, but um, and I'm also, but, you know, to be fair to Alabama, because I'm, you know, I want this to be a, a fun, entertaining show. I very easily just could have said win on all of them. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm stretching a little bit to find toss ups. Basically, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. My okay, let's make it entertaining. Let's say Georgia was swapped out with uh, uh, who we got here? Who's our other Kentucky? Let's say November 11th was at Georgia. Would it? Would you have no, that as no, a loss? Uh, everybody is a loss at Georgia. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know? Okay, I was just okay. Well, let's say at at uh, let's say down there in Tuscaloosa. Would you have it as a toss, or would you have it as a loss? Toss. Okay. At home is a different story, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Just trying to gauge where you're at, Mike, <laughs> and your hatred for the Crimson Tide. <laughs> so, so let's do our schedule uh, uh, predictions here, Shane, game by game. And, again, many of these <laughs> we're not going to spend much time on. MTSU, pick your score type oh, game. yeah. Right? Blue Raiders, Oakland Raiders, they're going <laughs> to whoop them. Get them out of here. Give me a win, Alabama. Texas at home. And, you know, thankfully, Shane – I I think for this year, I think it's good that you nearly lost in Austin because I, I think agree. that'll get you more. Not that you you know they have a ch- problem getting their teams locked in or anything, but I think that locks you up even more with people hyping up Texas with Texas coming to the SEC. I, that I actually think hurts Texas that they're coming because I think Alabama, their fans, their players, their coaches are going to want to say, "You think you're ready? Well, you're about to find." out you are not even damn close to our level so um i mean this is not even a consideration for an upset for me and and i think texas will be a better team this year i i I do and but when i'm looking at alabama this game was an embarrassment it was like the first shot you know it's like we needed a miracle for alabama to win and it blew everybody's mind and then then we kind of got a like where are the te- where are they, you know, and, and trying to figure out this program. So I think this is, this has been in the, in the locker rooms all, fu- all summer long. You know what I'm saying? People yeah. are already talking about how big this game's going to be. Every media outlet will be covering it. We will be covering it. Mike is, it's going to be a great football game, but it's going to be an easy victory for Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> All right, at South Florida again. It's just weird that it's in South Florida, but maybe we can swing by and hit the uh, – if we're close to a beach, I have no idea. But uh, that that would be the most compelling part of this game. Seems like you should be near an ocean down there, Mike, if you're going to <laughs> South Florida. But, uh, yeah, this is this is a little bit of a spring break or fall break, you know, get down there, get some sun. I cannot believe it's there. That still blows my mind, but easy victory here. Now, Ole Miss, here's where things can get interesting, Shane, because because of the Lane Kiffin factor, because of the offense he's got coming back, could be a very entertaining game. And and for whatever reason, Shane, they seem to play Alabama well in Bryant-Denny, a lot better than they play him in yeah. Oxford. Uh, that game came down to the wire, but you in good conscience cannot convince me that Ole Miss is going to come into Bryant-Denny and come away with anything other than maybe a 14-point loss. You know, it's funny when you're talking about these bigs, you know, these these powerhouse programs, there's always one or two games that sneak up on you. And and Ole Miss, I think, would be there if Lane Kiffin wasn't the coach, you know. But right. the fact that he is there, this is personal for Nick Saban. And I don't think he wants to beat him just because it's Nick Saban. It's just he knows he's going to get the best coached Ole Miss football team he's ever played. So right. uh, he's got to be dialed in, and he doesn't want to get embarrassed by, by Coach uh, – by coach Kiffin here. So I got a win. I, I, it was close last year. I think it'll be close this year, but, uh, still will be fun. Get your popcorn ready guys. <laughs> At Mississippi state again, they've owned Mississippi state, new coaching staff, yep. new schemes. I mean, more often than not, there is games not even competitive. I don't, I don't think this one will be either. Do you know how close this stadium is? 91 miles. Close? Yeah. It's crazy. Isn't it? How'd you know that? Uh, Mike, I, I'd, I'd love to say that this is a trap game, but it's not. It, it is not going to be a trap game. This is, you know, this is a game that we, we kind of make it bigger than it is, and then we turn around and we watch Alabama beat the shit out of them. So uh, give, me, give me Alabama here with another big win. 
Now, this is the one I'm kind of the most concerned about here, Shane. At Texas A&M, given that Jimbo's squad plays up to well, Alabama. Can I, can I pause you for just a second, going through this list, mm-hmm. because I started thinking about it. Is there any of those teams – so, easy win – we got, what, five wins in a row there. Mm-hmm. Is there any team that you got a little asterisk by, like, could pop up and surprise you? I, I just joked about Mississippi State, but the more I started thinking about it, I was like – you know, maybe I'm already doing it, Mike. I'm like, well, maybe. Maybe they do catch them off. I mean, you come off that old Miss, you're looking at Texas A&M looming there. You know, maybe maybe the, maybe the Mississippi State gets you. So The is there only any... one is old Miss. And that's Miss. if Jackson Dart or Spencer Sanders or whoever the quarterback is, is elite. And the, combine that with Quinshawn Junkins and they just can't keep him off the field. You know, because again – Similar to what we said about earlier about Texas, you may have to outscore Ole Miss. Yeah. But I just don't think Ole Miss is going to be going up and down the field. Now, I, remember, they got Pete Golding, too. So, he's yeah. he's going to know a lot about Alabama's personnel. I don't know that that's really an advantage. They're going to know everything to know about Pete Golding as well. So, I think that's kind of a wash. That's the only one, and I'm giving it like 10%. I'm yeah. worried, you know? Yeah, I got you. I don't know. Now that I said it, I, I'm I'm going to put a little asterisk by Mississippi State. I'm a little worried about them too. Mm, okay, okay. <laughs> I just think it's perfect trap scenario here. But then you get there, them cowbells ringing, probably an earlier game. You know, maybe yeah. catch them off guard. So that's the one I've got got a little asterisk by. But the one I'm really concerned about, Shane A and M. Yeah. This I'd be a little bit more concerned if I had more faith in Jimbo Fisher as a as a coach, but. Who knows what they're going to look like with Bobby Petrino if they really let him have the keys. We get that thing rolling. Kyle Field, you know, that can be an incredibly hostile place to play, and it'll be more hyped up for Alabama than any game short of Texas in 2024. So, uh, I mean, I just think this environment's going to be tough. I am I am kind of like leaning A&M, Shane, but Alabama homer here. Yeah, a lot's got to break right for A and M to even get to that point to where Petrino and and Chimbo ain't at each other's throats and quarterback <sighs> emerges and offensive line's not a train wreck. I mean, there's a lot that's got to happen. So give me Alabama, but this is this is the game I'm most concerned about. Yeah, it's funny you look at these programs. Twenty years ago, they didn't hate each other, but they do now. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Jimbo and Nick Saban. It's it's a story that's going to get brought up right after that Mississippi State game, and it's going to keep rolling until these two play. It is going to be an awesome matchup. I think this is maybe one of the most, one of the biggest marquee games of the year. Um, I, I, I just love how well they, they – they, you got you got the Alabama running backs on this side, but you got Texas A&M defensive lines, you know. You yeah. got some of the best wide receivers in the game over here at College Station, but you've got Kool-Aid and crew over here. It's like <laughs> it, it is going to be a, an epic battle, but – Nick's got your number here lately, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go as a homer, uh, Alabama win, right? Close, and close game though. The only thing I will say, Shane, Alabama fans don't want to hear this because they, you know, it's win every game and win the championship. You can lose the A and M and it won't kill you because yeah. they still got to go to Tennessee. They got to go to LSU. I think there's a there's a situation where you drop this game and it and you're you're still in the to win the West. Arkansas at home, tricky game, Shane. KJ, Rocket, and company. They're going to be able to score some points. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop Alabama, though. So this is another one I'm not too concerned about. But you cannot underrate Sam Pittman and company, Arkansas Razorbacks. So give me a win, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as, as maybe some people anticipate. I'll tell you, man, if you get Rocket and KJ playing their best game ever, they may be able to keep it within 14. So, Alabama, <laughs> big win here. <laughs> uh, all right, Tennessee coming to town. Shane, revenge factor will be very real. Kevin Steele, remember, uh, you know, he's even got some bad blood here. Pired yeah. by Pruitt in Tennessee, and they kicked him to the curb right away. So, uh, he's a Tennessee grad too. So, 
a lot of bad blood in this matchup, Shane. Maybe yep. it's a rivalry again. It certainly will be a rivalry again in all college football fans' minds if Tennessee comes down to Tuscaloosa and beats Alabama. But it ain't happening, Shane. <laughs> Give me Alabama to win the day once again and flip that series right back to where it belongs. Oh, Mike, it's going to be a good game. It was it was so good. I, last year – me and you watched this one. Uh, we talked about it on the last show here, Mike. It was just one of the highlights of my life. Top five, easy. Uh, hell, I'd probably even say top three games I've ever watched. And uh, I'll always cherish those memories. But to go to Alabama and repeat that process, it just doesn't happen, man. It just doesn't happen. While Nick Saban's down there, why this team is as good as they are, it's going again going to take an absolute miracle for Tennessee to pull off another upset. We've they, Tennessee Vols would have to have it dialed in. Joe Milton legit. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers emerge. Defense lockdown. You know, I mean, it's going to have to be a perfect game, and uh, that's too many what ifs. So give me Alabama here. I think again, similar to Texas a and I think it's a close game, uh, but I'm going to give the edge to uh, to Alabama. Now, the next game, they'll have two weeks to prepare for what likely will be the showdown that decides the SEC West with LSU coming to town. Another revenge factor. Maybe if this was a week after Tennessee, I, you know, I would, I would be even more concerned, if, yeah. particularly if LSU had two weeks to prepare and we didn't. But we got two weeks to prepare for this matchup. I, hell, I'm already on record. I think LSU's winning it all this year. But mm-hmm. their toughest game is right here. In Tuscaloosa, coming in to Nick Saban's house, this this is a coin toss. It uh, it really really is, Shane. I think LSU can get it done, but it ain't gonna happen, <laughs> brother. Give me Alabama, maybe a last second field goal. Maybe hell, maybe they go for two of their themselves and win it uh, at the at the buzzer here. Uh, this to me, either team can win it. But give me the home team. You got you got to like the home team in, in matchups like this. Well, especially when that home team just never really loses at home. And and I think when you're looking at these two teams back to back, Tennessee and LSU, these are the two teams, the two reasons you didn't make the college football playoffs, the two reasons you didn't go to SEC championship, the two reasons you got embarrassed on national TV. I don't I don't think that's something that you could do two years in a row. Mike, this is a revenge tour. I said I said it last year, brother, but this is what the revenge is about, is is making – putting the stars back in line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Making things right. So, And to do that, you got to beat Tennessee and you got to beat LSU, and that's exactly what happens this time. So give me Alabama. Big. Now, I, I think this – I think you're – I think you're overreacting. I think people – We'll get to LSU, and I know there, there's a lot of good things to love down there. But, again, it's it's a lot of what-ifs. Mm-hmm. I think if Alabama gets a lead on these guys, I mean a substantial lead, the foot will not come off the gas. This is it was a personal loss last year. It'll be a personal win this year. Now, at Kentucky, tricky game, Shane, particularly coming off Tennessee LSU in, in the, the last two. You cannot underrate this matchup. Cannot wait to see Liam Cohen's offense against this Kevin Steele, Nick Saban defense. I think that is going to be a sight to behold. But I still think it would take a lot for Kentucky to beat Alabama, particularly if, if it plays out the way we just laid it out and they're undefeated. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I think it'll be close. I, I, I think Kentucky will – you know, they'll score a touchdown as time expires to uh, – to win by the spread, you know, like he did against yeah. Georgia a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think it'll be a, a tight ball game, but Alabama wins it. Yeah, and, it, and the placement of this game is what scares me a little bit uh, is, is because, again, you're coming off the Tennessee, the LSU matchup, and then Kentucky, one that you ask any of the kids on that roster, they've already penciled as a win. They mm-hmm. have no respect for that program. They don't play them often. They don't know exactly what it's going to be like there in that environment. I think this is a this is a sneaky game, and I think it's close, brother. I think it's close, but give me uh, Alabama with the edge here. 
UT Chattanooga Shade coming to town. Yeah, beating all the UTs, ain't they? <laughs> UT, Texas balls and Chattanooga. Can we roll out the third team and yeah. how, how many points will we beat out Chattanooga by? That's right. Does UT Martin got a football team? Let's go down there and whoop their ass while we're at it. <laughs> so final game here, Shane, a lot on the line. Iron Bowl on the road. Not going to be easy. Not no. with Hugh Freeze down there running the ship, but whew, I, that makes it personal for Nick Saban. The Iron Bowl is always personal to Nick Saban. So, I mean, I can't in good conscience pick Auburn to win that game. I, in this scenario, I think Alabama goes undefeated on to the SEC championship game, likely to face Georgia. Yeah. Maybe undefeated themselves. What an epic, epic clash that would be. Do you have Alabama also in this scenario going undefeated? I do too, Mike. Uh, at the Iron Bowl, obviously, we've had some good games in the past, and, and I think we're going to have good games in the future. I really do. I think mm-hmm. Hugh's got a couple more seasons to to get that roster right. But crazier things have happened. It just ain't happening this year, Mike. Give me, give me Alabama undefeated season going to an SEC championship. This is a revenge tour, man. And on that revenge tour, you got to face Kirby Smart somewhere. So let's do it in Atlanta. <laughs> man, I can't wait for that, Shane. And, uh, man, all, I cannot wait for the Paul Feinbaum show the following Monday if that <laughs> happens. You know what? Georgia, Alabama undefeated. Oh, and, hell, if man. they go undefeated, both of them, Shane, and it's a close game, they're probably doing it again in the college yeah, football yeah. playoff, don't you think? Like at, uh, what was it, LSU – was was it LSU Alabama that one year? They oh, yeah. they play they played and, and, then and back they then they only picked two and they were still said, yeah. "Well, hell, this is the two we got to go." This is with. it, right? You know, so <laughs> yeah, it it would be awesome because then again we'd get a, a, a double another dose of it. So yep. uh, yeah, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you right now, Alabama's always been for many years has always been the safe pick for the number one program in the country. And lately, they've been taking some hits. Took some hits with Tennessee and LSU, with Georgia plenty of times, you know. And, and you feel like, all right, man, we're starting to catch up to them. This is a make or break for me, Mike. This this feels like the season that we're, we're ultimately saying Bama's coming back to the fold or that was a, that was a one-off. That was a – that was a fugazi, you know, right. that, that just didn't exist. So I, I think this is a pivotal season here. If, and I've said that my bold take, Mike, and I, I'm going to stick with it, man. My bold take was that Alabama goes undefeated, wins a natty and Nick Saban walks off that <laughs> field for the final time on his own accord. <laughs> so Either way, it's a win-win. I mean, we don't have to play against Nick Saban the following year, but you know what I'm saying. But I just, I, I don't know. I, it just, it, it almost feels because we do this the years that we don't expect Alabama, then mm-hmm. bam, they're right there in the mix. So, right, uh, a lot of people are counting them out this year, and I, I, you're crazy. We just went through a perfect schedule here. Let me ask you real quick, Shane. Uh, if it is Alabama and Georgia in the championship, and they're both undefeated, we've seen that before i don't know i don't think maybe alabama wasn't undefeated but they won the game they and obviously they both went on to the the college football playoff and georgia Mm -hmm. won in the championship but uh, my question to you shane if you're in that sec championship and you know i guess you can't really know this but would you rather win the first matchup if if a second matchup is is almost guaranteed or how do you feel about that I, i know this is a weird question but yeah, I, I just feel like I think it's tougher to beat the same team twice in a span of three games. Yeah. Now, if you're clearly superior team, you know, maybe that is a little bit easier. But I wonder how much of an edge that gave Georgia. Remember, they were undefeated, big fa- big favorites over Alabama in the, in the SEC championship. Yeah. Alabama came out there, smacked them in the mouth and, and dominated that football game. But it was a different story in the championship and had Georgia whipped them. In the SEC championship, maybe Alabama wouldn't have made the playoff that year, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they – I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I've always thought about, like – so in this scenario, if you're looking at the schedule, mm-hmm. if you lost to an LSU team and did not go to an SEC championship and then went on to the college football playoffs and then played Georgia, 
I would think that's an ideal loss. Not that any loss is acceptable. Mm-hmm. But I would not want to lose to LSU and then play them again in the college football playoffs. I would want to win that first LSU match and then play them again in the playoffs. You know, it just feels right. like you've got the upper hand. You've already beat them. You, you, a little bit of that, you know, because if you think about a loss as a player, you know, there's something personal in that game. And, and it may not be the scoreboard itself. It may be the guy across from me kicked my ass this game. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that sticks in my head. Or – this wide receiver was too fast. I couldn't cover him on certain routes, you know. That mm-hmm. sticks with me here. And then it becomes personal and it gets in between my ears. So when when you when you beat somebody like that, I think that it it's kind of good psychologically if you're playing them again because you've got their number, you know. Right. So I hope that may answer, may not answer your question, but that's just kind of how I think a, a player would, would go through it. These are the questions Georgia and Alabama fans got to – play with all offseason do we want to win the first matchup or how's that set up the second matchup you know what i mean i mean what what a world that must be what a world man i tell you what this schedule's nice brother it's a a pretty schedule you're getting all those tough opponents at home uh except for the texas a&m matchup um i i think I, I think you're in good shape. Alabama's in good, good shape here, Mike. And so if you're a homer, uh, clearly you are if you made it this far to the show, you you should be tickled pink. And, and all we got to do is just answer a couple questions. Quarterback, you know, just molding the offense, getting a couple more pieces on that offensive line, just getting them out there and jailed. Mm-hmm. How quick do they pick up? Because last thing you can do is to just drag ass at the start of the season and, and fumble against Texas or fumble against uh, Texas A&M early in the season. So. Yep. We've never talked Alabama more than we did on this show, Shane. Let's turn this off before we turn Golly. into to gumps Absolutely. here. You know what? <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> I'm going to need some more beer, Mike. <laughs> well, I appreciate you as always, brother. I appreciate all the cousins out there for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Roll Tide. Get out. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.